0: Welcome into the Future Sox Roundup. My name is Elijah Evans, and I am here with another edition of the Roundup with my co-host Jeff Cohen. Uh, We are very excited to be back and talk more baseball with everybody like we did last week. Uh, It's an exciting time. You know, spring training starts this upcoming weekend. We're seeing a lot of really fun videos from all the different camps around baseball of, you know, minor league guys, major league guys. Everybody's basically uh, reporting to camp right now this week. So, you know, the pitchers and catchers were at it. We saw some cool videos from White Sox spring training um, of guys like, you know, Dylan Cease at camp and some of the other young pitchers that we're really excited to keep an eye on in addition to a lot of the you know 70 players that are on the the invite list for major league camp you know there's there's 26 spots for the white Sox, and then 70 players technically competing for those 26 spots and while obviously there's a there's a fair share of those players who are minor league guys and prospects within the system that will most likely not make the roster um, you know you never know what's going to happen and there's a there's a handful of guys that could be on this roster and a lot of position battles to, to kind of keep an eye on so how are you doing jeff first of all um, and how you feeling about spring training?
1: Well, I'm a little mad, Elijah. I didn't get my non-roster invitation. How about you?
0: <laughs> I, I must have missed mine in the mail as well.
1: Yeah, we're about the only guys, but it's <laughs> exciting. It's so close. It's so close. Even though, you know, this is going to be a throwaway season, there are a lot of prospects to follow, and uh, uh, it's going to be fun. And, you know, a lot of a lot of the top prospects are going to be at spring training, so we'll get an early look at Colson and Brian Ramos and guys like yeah. that.
0: No, I completely agree. It's a, it's an exciting time for baseball as a whole, and especially for the White Sox, I think. And we're just uh, looking forward to doing a lot of things in terms of covering and watching everything going down. So, on today's episode, we're gonna our main focus today is going to be a little bit of a fun uh, side project that we've been talking about for a few weeks, and we finally get to do it on the air. Um, we'll talk a little bit of roster stuff first, but the main the main purpose of today's podcast is to do a twenty twenty six opening day roster projection. So, me and Jeff both have uh, put together our rosters for twenty twenty six as we kind of embark on this this rebuild of sorts with the White Sox. Um, you know, a lot of this year, as we've talked about, is focused on the future and focused on what's next for the White Sox. So we figured it would be a good time to look at, you know, two years from now what this team could look like if, if things work and things fall into place between the combination of having a lot of money available in the next few years, hopefully, to spend on some free agents uh, in addition to, you know, a lot of these young players that we talk about all the time that will that will be competing and, and making an impact at the major league level and then in two years from now, hopefully. Um, so before we dive into that, let's talk a little bit of spring training position battles um i just want to do this off the rip with you to kind of get an idea of where we're at because you know there's some players obviously Luis robert dylan cease that are the the key pieces and i think some positions are locked down but there's a lot of spots in this roster that are pretty up for grabs Um, when you look up and down the white Sox roster right now there's at least i would say two to three maybe even four in terms of position player spots that are kind of open there's there's really only eight or nine guys that you can lock into a major league spot um, in terms of the position players and then on the pitching side of things you know There's a few, I think. I think in terms of starters, Cease, Kopek, and Eric Fetty are kind of the guarantees. Mike Soroka, if he's healthy, seems like a, a pretty sure bet. Beyond that, the bullpen, right? Like there's a chance Garrett Crochet starts in the minor leagues. Gregory Santos is out the door, right? So, I mean, essentially, I'd say pretty much the entire bullpen is up for grabs. Um, in addition to at least one or two starter spots. So, where, can, what is your thoughts on some of these battles, Jeff? And who do you see being some interesting names to watch that you think are going to make the roster that aren't necessarily locked up yet?
1: Well, there you're right. There are position battles all over the place. You've got uh, the middle infield. You know, do they, do they give it to a young guy like Braden Shoemake, or do they? You know, Nicky Lopez, go with uh, some guy they, they can trust, up. some guys with a little more experience. Same thing in the outfield. Um, tons of guys. Uh, it's going to be inter- interesting to see from my perspective, since I covered the Knights, who's going to take their demotion, come down to Charlotte. Um, you know, like every year, we've got a lot of veterans down here, and I imagine it will right. be same the same this year. It's interesting. You know, we could have a reunion of sorts, you know, if we get – If Gavin Sheets is sent down, if Mark Payton is here, you'd be getting the band back together again. Yeah,
0: Yeah, completely. It's tricky because you got all these non-roster invites, and a lot of them will end up in Charlotte because, you know, you need depth, and that's kind of where the league is trending right now where there's a lot of depth pieces that end up playing in AAA in the hopes that, you know, once an injury comes or once somebody's performing poorly that they can then take that spot at the major league level. But there's a lot of players who, you know, are at camp right now that they want to be on the big league staff and they've been big league players before and they, they don't want to be sitting around in Charlotte. So, you know, it's, it's, this is the time the next month for guys to fight. And, and unlike previous years, like there's spots open, there's not, the roster is not settled whatsoever. I think the bullpen is, is totally up for grabs. I think, you know, there's been some recent signings, you know, Brian Shaw was brought back on a minor league deal. He was great down the stretch last season, but is he part of, whatever the future looks like in the bullpen, you know, Corey Kniebel brought in last week, Dominic Leone, a bunch of veteran guys who are all going to be competing for spots. But what is, what does that turn out to be? I I have no idea. I think it's going to be pretty contested. And then, you know, Mike Mustakas brought in this past weekend um, on a minor league deal with an invite. This is a guy who was at one point a really solid player in the major leagues and then hasn't had the best go at things the last two years, I think, but you know, does he take a spot from a Gavin sheets, right? Both similar kind of profiles power over everything. They haven't had a ton of average in their careers. I mean, sheets is a guy, right. Who's been on the roster the last few years, but he doesn't have a spot locked up. And same thing goes even for a, you know, even for a Lenin Sosa, who most people expect to be kind of the the backup infielder. What is, what if Danny Mendick comes into spring camp training and is better than him? Right. Right. So there's a lot of things to consider. Do you, what do you think about that backup infield job? Where where would you go with that if you kind of had an opinion on on that?
1: Well, that's interesting. You know, you and I have been talking for a couple of weeks about this season is all preparation for the 25-26 seasons. So if that's the case, do you go with the young guys? Do you give Oscar Colas another shot? And then in terms of the backup infielder, you go with a guy like Lenin Sosa or, you know, you probably have a high comfort level with a veteran like Danny Mendick, but In the long term is that really what you want to do
0: right it's it's tricky it's just towing that line between being competitive right now and having the best team possible but also knowing that this is about the future because that's that's what we all know it is and you know kevin pilar i think i've seen as someone you mentioned earlier who is a favorite to make the roster right now because at the end of the day like Beyond, I mean, I think I think the starting outfield right now pretty clearly looks to be Ben Benintendi, Robert, and Dominic Fletcher, who was acquired in the the Mena trade. Uh, Fletcher is somebody who's league ready. He showed he was good at the major league level last year uh, as a prospect, so I think he kind of has the the edge on that third outfield spot. But the fourth outfield spot. Who knows? Right. I mean, yes, Oscar Colas, you maybe you give him a second chance, but like he did not look like a major league player last year. So maybe he needs to be in Charlotte for the time being. And Kevin Pilar, who has proven he can play defense at all three outfield positions, might be the better fit for the team right now, even if he doesn't help the future necessarily. So it's right. this kind of it's just this weighing of future versus present and and vets versus you know potential, because there's a ton of vets at camp right now. And it's just about figuring out which ones are worth keeping around versus which ones you probably can let walk or let play in Charlotte for a while. So it's going to be really interesting to follow. Um, I think we, I, I'm going to be very carefully tuned into kind of the positional battles because, like I was saying, you know, fourth outfielder, totally up for grabs. Second base slash backup infielder, totally up for grabs. Whoever the utility slash power bat is on the bench, whether it's Gavin Sheets, Moustakis, or they go with a mendic who can play infield and outfield, something like that. Those are all up for grabs. Uh, it seems like Max Stassi has by far the the lead on the backup catcher job. I don't think it's completely locked up, but it does seem like he's going to be the backup catcher um, with Maldonado or at least the two of them kind of platooning. Um, and then, you know, the bullpen is who knows. And, and the rotation is the same way. The rotation has – there's probably 10, 11 guys that could – in a world make the rotation, honestly, with those back two spots and the starting rotation. So it, it's really tricky and we're going to be keeping an eye on it, but, uh, but let's dive into our, our main segment for today. Uh, we'll have a lot of spring training talk soon. And for those who don't follow us, uh, definitely make sure to follow Jeff at AAA Jeff on Twitter and myself at Elijah EV eight. We are going to be talking plenty of spring training. We'll be posting stuff. I'll be out there for a while. Definitely want to check out our content because we're going to be bringing it uh, for the next you know month of spring training. Uh, but let's let's dive into this Jeff I know I know you're ready for this I'm excited for this we're going to talk 2026 roster projection so the way I want to do this we're going to start with hitters uh, and Jeff and I are kind of just going to both go back and forth and we're going to have some similarities of course because there's certain players that we all know we want to be on the 2026 roster but we're also going to have some differences for sure so I'll start it off uh, 2026 opening day catcher Edgar Carroll uh, I, I don't want to overcomplicate it I, I think there's yeah, I think Max Stassi is a solid player. I think, you know, Carlos Perez has shown some stability. Corey Lee could continue to develop a little bit in A this season. Edgar Caro is the future of this position. Um, we've talked about it before. Who who do you have at at the catcher spot?
1: <laughs> well, I told you uh, before we started, um, I took a little bit of a contrarian view. Yeah. And I said, you know, it's not unrealistic. Michael Turner could be the first guy up and, and win the job. I like
0: that. That's interesting. That's interesting. A that's a fascinating take right there so uh, that's that's interesting you say that because uh i'll just cut to the chase then in this in this situation uh, i i had turner as my backup catcher actually so i also think he could be a guy that makes the roster you know an older prospect right he's definitely um much higher age than most catchers at at the winston-salem at the high a level but he was great last year and i think you know his ability to call a game and his ability to be patient at the plate is something that could be really useful so that's that's why i had him as the backup catcher for this team actually so you know i think interesting what is it what about turner giving you reason to to believe that he could be the starting catcher
1: well in two years he's going to be 27 so it'll he'll, it'll be his prime years whereas cuero will be what 22 um and still 23, yeah 23 yeah so yeah still a touch young you know he could use a maybe half a season of seasoning
0: yeah, that's a, that's a good take. I think, I mean, I think we look at 2025 as a year when you could see Carol making a major league debut a, potentially, but you know, if he, ta- if he starts a little slow, there's a world where, you know, the, the older Turner gets a, gets a stab at the the regular position while Carol continues to develop. So that's, that's a really interesting take there. I kind of, I kind of like that. And I, I do think Turner is somebody that we should keep an eye on because despite the age and that the age kind of shifts people away from prospects at times, but you know, Turner's someone who, who produced a whole season last year um, and really just looked like a, a consistent matured player uh and he might get he might struggle offensively as he rises up the ranks in the minor leagues i think there's always a risk with that um but generally speaking he knows how to call a game for sure he looked consistent behind the plate and he's someone who just at his age could could at 27 years old could be a viable catcher for this team all right we'll uh, we'll go to the next position so right now jeff's got michael turner catching and i've got edgar carroll catching um did you have if you had a backup catcher did you have carroll as your backup catcher? i did absolutely okay yeah. So we both got the same two catchers, um, just a level of age maturity about who's uh, necessarily starting opening day. But, uh, but I like that. That's good. Uh, moving over to first base. Um, I stuck with Andrew Vaughn. Um, I know a lot of people are really frustrated by the lack of kind of that next step for Vaughn. I think the last two years it's been like where is his – Star level potential that we thought he had when he came up for the White Sox. Um, you know, the guy came up playing, getting stuck in the outfield when when Eloy got hurt in twenty in his first season, and he had to play left field. Then he had to get shifted over to right field at one point, and and really just had a rocky career so, um, with with Abreu being at first for a while and him kind of just being all over the place. Last year was his first full season as the hundred percent first baseman of the White Sox. I, I believe in him. I believe in the bat. I believe in the mature approach. I still see it for Vaughn and I still think, you know, he's still going to be in arbitration at that point. So he's still a guy that will, he'll be under contract in 2026. And, and I know that there's a popular uh, first baseman who I'm curious to see if you mention here, but there there is someone that a lot of people like and think could take a, the job over from Vaughn and that's a possibility for sure. Uh, but I, I think in 2026 that Vaughn still has this job. I think this coming season, he takes a step forward. He shows that he can be an everyday first baseman in this league. Uh, and then come 2026, he's, he's still the first baseman, even if he's not much beyond that.
1: Well, again, I have two things happening that are going to take us in a different direction and end up yep. with Brian Ramos. Number one, number one, that uh, in twenty twenty six it'll be um, Andrew Vaughn's arb three year. Yep. And I think the White Sox might not feel like they're getting their money, their money's worth, and they don't want to pay him. Yeah. And so that's the first thing. The second thing is and this is huge, just dominates every, every other decision I make, is it's very possible Colson Montgomery gets too big to play shortstop mm. and they move him to third. Right? Interesting. Very interesting. Yeah. Very possible, right? Yeah. And, and so if that happens, I said, what would be the ramifications? Number one, I think you'd have great defense at third base with Colson there. That would That's shift sure. Ramos to first base if he's going to start. And, and right now, yeah.
0: So I I like that a lot because it's, I I kind of went with the more, I think I went with the more positionally straightforward cookie cutter approach. And, and I really like that you took a different approach there. Um, So what, what do you see with Ramos kind of going forward? Do you think that he comes up at third still and then eventually moves to first, or do you see a world where Colson shifts to third when he comes up? And Ramos kind of immediately slots into first sooner than 2026, or do you kind of see that being his first season taking over at first base, assuming Vaughn gets moved?
1: Yeah, I could see Ramos coming up and replacing Moncada initially yeah. um, as Colson continues to get bigger and they, they see if he can stick it short or not.
0: Yeah. Interesting. So then in terms of Vaughn, if you're, if that, so 2026 this is his ARB three. I like that you pointed that out. So I kind of was like, Oh, that might be if, even if they don't want to continue with him, that would be his last season as the starter at first. Do you think Vaughn gets traded that season
1: before? I could see that. Yeah. I actually took, I thought who are all the guys could, that could be off the roster? And yeah. I said, Vaughn, Eloy, um, ho- hopefully he has a good year and they can flip him. Okay. And, um, and the other guy I thought might be off the roster, if he can have a good year, is Benintendi, and I think they would love that's- to move him. And if some if some team's in a pennant race and you need a you know a good on base outfielder, it could be Benintendi if he regains his old form.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. We're going to get to Ben and, uh, to the outfield in a little bit, but uh, you kind of just hinted at it, so we'll we'll just dive into it. Third base, I'll go. We'll go corners, and then we'll go up the middle from there. Third base, I assume you have Colson Montgomery based on that uh, that discussion. Right right okay what do you what do you see colson being at third in comparison to what he's at short if you've kind of thinking about his defense a little bit especially
1: well i think he's good i think he's would be an elite defensive third baseman and i think he'd probably be you know maybe a league average defensive shortstop so i think there'd be a big upgrade there but that opens up a Pandora's box as to what you do with your middle infield. And I, I really was scratching yeah. my head, so, Charles, all that one.
0: That's interesting. So before we get to that, I, I went with Ramos. I, I I think he sticks at third. I think in, again, it does come down to Colson because Ramos is, can play a good third. I think Ramos would be great at first probably because he, he would be able to, I mean, any ground you at first, even if it's less often, he would totally handle well. And I think he's got the size to be able to to manage first base. He's not super tall, but he's tall enough for sure. Um, so it's interesting you put him there, but I, I, did have Ramos sticking at third just on the fact that I know he's a really good defender there Ramos's defense has continued to get better so I think that because both these guys with Ramos and Colson are kind of on the same timeline right now that if Colson can stick it short that essentially guarantees third to be Ramos's job you know come 2025 with Moncada being uh off the books after this current season so you know I, I went with Ramos I stuck with him there I think he's I think he's an above average, a slightly above average defender at third base and I think, you know, if he continues to to really just add to his approach and can and continue to raise the walk rate like he did this past season, he's someone that you could see being, you know, a, a consistent 20 home run solid contributor at third base while playing really strong defense there. So, so I stuck with uh, I stuck with Ramos at third and you've got Colson. So, right now uh, you've got Ramos at first and Colson at third and I have Vaughn at first and Ramos at third. So what does your shortstop look like, Jeff?
1: Boy, this was tough. You know, I said, maybe they just go with a defense first guy like Shoemaker. You know, he's a great glove, hasn't shown the ability to hit. Maybe Jacob Gonzalez, you know, comes on and uh, just shoots up through the system. But I actually thought that they would just end up going out and getting a free agent. And I looked to see who the free agent shortstops were. And I came up with uh, Jorge Mateo, that he's expendable in Baltimore, you know, and he's a, he's a you know, good glove and a lot of speed. They go free
0: agent. Interesting. That's a that's a good take. So is Mateo, I'm going to check right now. Mateo looks like he's, so he's up after 2025. So it would be that off season, basically, essentially them signing him after 2025 to, yep. to take over the shortstop job going into 2026. With So I think with your plan, what's interesting about your, your kind of infield right now is I think that would mean, that would make a lot of sense if Colson and Ramos spent 2025 at short and third, and then kind of figured out that Colson should move to third, ideally, in which case that offseason, you shift Ramos to first and you sign a shortstop to then fill that gap. So that's that's an interesting plan there. And Mateo is someone who, you know, I think he he had a really rough second half of the season in 2023. But the first half of the year, he was playing really well last year. And then someone who's an elite defender has a lot of speed. He's only 28 years old right now. So he'd be 30 at that point. Um, and it's just someone in general who is is the glove and the speed talk and the bat has had moments of being strong. And, and like you said, you know, he's got no spot in Baltimore pretty soon, I think. Uh, I'm not even sure if he, he makes it through his ARB three with Baltimore. I think there's a good chance he actually gets traded before then just because Jackson Holiday, Gunnar Henderson, Kobe Mayo. It goes on and on and on in Baltimore. We've talked about that system and how stacked it is. So I'm interested to see if Mateo makes it to free agency. I think there's a chance he gets traded, but maybe the White Sox are a team that looks to trade for him in in 2025 or after even 2024. Who knows if if the shortstop gap is still there and and they want Colson to end up moving to third. So that's interesting. So you've got Mateo. Um, I stuck with Colson at shortstop, if that wasn't obvious from the conversation earlier. Um, I think... He's getting there. I think the defense is getting there. And I think that the White Sox are going to give him every chance in the world to become the shortstop of the future just because of how valuable that position is. So even I, – I could see a world he eventually moves to third, but I don't think it would be until – 2027 20, or later, just because he is such a premium prospect and he is getting better. His movement's getting better. His range is still a little iffy. That's why he kind of the idea that he could shift to third makes sense because his range can be a little bit limited at times at shortstop. Uh, but I do think he's getting better there and I think he can be an everyday shortstop. So I stuck with Colson at short uh, second base, another revolving door for the white socks. Um, I, I went with the free agent route. So you, you went with the free agent route at shortstop and I'm curious to see where you went with second. Cause there's a lot of guys that in within the team, that could go to second. I think many people think Jacob Gonzalez will end up as a second baseman long-term. You've got Popeye, you've got Lenin Sosa, all those other options. I I went the free agent route um, and another, a different Jorge, actually. I went with Jorge Polanco, uh, formerly of the Twins and currently of the Mariners, who the Mariners just acquired uh, this offseason to kind of plug their hole in the infield. And Polanco's a guy who has dealt with some injuries and has had some ups and downs but has been quietly really productive when he's been on the field. He can play a decent shortstop, but he can play a really solid second base, And he's someone who has just continued to produce. Uh, I I feel like when I've watched him, especially against the White Sox, and when he's played for the Twins over the years, he has burned the White Sox uh, a lot of times. Um, And he's someone who has just got a nice blend of contact, a nice blend of power a little bit, a little bit of everything. Uh, He'll only be 32 um, when his contract is fully up after 2025. He does have a club option for 25, so there's a chance he could hit free agency this next off season, as opposed to in two years. Um, but I think he's someone who as a veteran ad, if the white Sox still haven't figured out second base, uh, I could see Polanco making a lot of sense.
1: Yeah. Um, I like that We both went with a free agent as a, one of the two middle infielders. Yeah. Um, and you know, there is a lot of depth in the, uh, sock system at, at sure. second base, whether it's, uh, whether it is Popeye or Mario Camiletti, you got Ryan Burroughs, a guy that you talked to. that was a great interview with uh, Edric Felix. Uh, yep. uh, you know, he's a he's a long shot, but I said that you know, when they trade Eloy, they're going to trade him to Texas, and they're going to get back a top twenty prospect, Justin Foskey. I like that a lot. He's the second baseman.
0: I kind of love that, Jeff. I'm not going to lie. That's a, that's interesting. Foskey's a guy that I am actually a big fan of. I have I marked him as someone that if if Texas were to kind of make a bold move and, and trade for Dylan Cease this year, which I, I kind of I thought they were a team that could have been in a dark horse for that type of situation because they're in such win-now mode and they have a really deep farm system, Foskey was a guy that I was circling as like, let's get this guy to be the everyday second baseman. Right. He has done nothing but mash in the minor leagues. Uh, I, I don't know if you looked in deeply to his numbers, but the guy is, is a first-round pick. In 2020, and has just done nothing but hit and hit and hit. Uh, he's got some speed. He's got, I mean, he's he up to speed a lot this past year after only stealing a few bags in his first two seasons. Last year, he stole 14 bags. He was, you know, an, he's been an 850 plus OPS guy. He was an 862 OPS last year. Some sneaky power for a not a huge dude, uh, you know, second baseman putting out. 17 15 and 18 homers and his three his three minor league seasons uh, foskey is a really interesting piece and like you said or, uh, the the Rangers are deep and uh you know foskey doesn't really have a spot on that roster with, with Corey Seeger and Marcus Simeon set to be the middle infield there for the next decade right so
1: right.
0: I, I like that a lot so are you thinking are you thinking an Eloy trade this year potentially or next year
1: yeah yeah um... You know, it's a it's a coin flip. It could go either yeah. year. Hopefully, he bounces back this year and he and he boosts his his trade value this year. Right. Uh, so I'd lean twenty twenty five, but it's hard to say.
0: Yeah, I, I like that a lot, though. I think uh, Polanco was someone who I, I in my mind I was like, this spot has been such a dead hole. You just get a veteran quality free agent. Right. But I also like the idea. I, I didn't actually factor an Eli trade. Into a specific player on this roster, so I really like the idea of that because Foskey is someone who you know doesn't have a spot in his team and is a really really solid second base prospect. So uh, that's fun. So your infield uh, in 2026 opening day looks like Brian Ramos at first, Justin Foskey of the Rangers at second, at uh, Jorge Mateo at shortstop, and then Colson <laughs> Montgomery moving over to third. I almost said the wrong Jorge there, uh, and then my infield looks like Andrew Vaughn, Jorge Polanco. Colson Montgomery and Brian Ramos. So we have some similarities, some differences. Kind of people moving all over the infield, but I really like the creativity brought to that. Um, And let's uh, let's get it. And we both have Michael Turner and Edgar Caro as the two catchers uh, ultimately. So let's.
1: Before we move on, let let me just point out: if I had to put money on it, as opposed to play, you know, theoretical, I'd definitely go the way you. That's what you have selected is Chalk, and most likely what's going to happen. But there is that world in which Coulson does move to third. You're right. It might not be 2026. It might be like 2028 right but it will whenever it happens it's going to have a lot of ramifications
0: right I, I i love the creativity you're right my mine was definitely more of a chalk and kind of more like the most likely outcome um but mm-hmm. i like the approach you took and i think it's a really fun i mean that, that would be a fun infield those those four players honestly i think foskey was a great idea i love that actually i considered doing a trade a trade second baseman but i went the free agent route so i like that a lot um getting into the outfield let's start in left field um you know obviously andrew benintendi is there right now and is under contract um you know for what is it, another four years, I believe. Um, so that's that's a complication. Where did you go with left field? Uh, is it Benintendi or is it someone else?
1: I put uh, Dominic Fletcher in left field with the idea that Benintendi bounces back and uh, you know the White Sox eat a little bit of his contract but are able to move him. And now that could be a stretch, but it's very possible he could bounce back yeah. and have some trade value. So I've got uh, Fletcher moving from right to left. I actually had the exact same
0: thing. Um, that's funny. This is our first alignment so far. Uh, I had the same thing. I think eventually, I don't think it's this year. I think it's probably after 2025. Realistically, I, I think the White Sox find a way to move Benintendi eventually, whether it's in 2024 or 2025 um, and they eat some of the money. I think you have to eat a decent amount of mon- the money, honestly, but I, I think they find a way uh, with all the young talent emerging to move his contract and to let Fletcher take over and left Fletcher is going to open this season and right. Uh, but I think his profile fits a little better in left, honestly, as a guy who's super mobile um, can play well, can really just defend uh, at a high level with his speed too. Um, and I think Fletcher is someone who I'm excited to watch this season. I think it was a, as much as I was not a fan of trading Christian Mayna, Fletcher is, is a fun player and he he could bring a lot of versatility and a lot of just energy to the outfield alongside the least Robert. So, so I slotted him into left field and I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, shifting over to center, where, where'd you go with this? I'm, I'm curious to see if, if the, the face of the franchise currently is still on the roster.
1: I did not get crazy here. Uh, you know, I looked at uh, Roberts' contract and the White Sox have two options for him at 20 million bucks a year and that's a steal.
0: Yep. I completely agree with you. There's no reason to to get fancy here. If they were going to there there was the idea they were going to trade him this offseason maybe and consider it. I don't buy it. I just don't think you can trade a player of that caliber at his current contract rate too, especially like you said. you know, he's Right now, I think he's at 15 a year and then goes up to 20 a year uh, for the two seasons beyond that. So I think, you know, what is it, right? So right now, this season is only $12.5 million then $15 million next season, and then 20 the two years after that. He's not going anywhere. Uh, yeah. Luis Roberts going to be in center field. The guy is phenomenal. Um, yeah. If he's healthy, and that's obviously been a hard thing for him throughout his career, but if he can stay healthy – I, I he's one of the people I penciled in at center field and I didn't really think twice about it, honestly. So we're, we're sticking with Luis Robert. I'm glad we're aligned there. So we've got the same outfield so far, Fletcher and left and uh, Robert in center. And now we get to the position that has not been stable since what Jermaine die. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I'm curious where you went.
0: I, you want me to, I'll start it off. Yeah. Uh, I, I went the free agent route. I, I think I could have gone the trade route. I think I, I, I kind of held off generally on a lot of the trade routes um, just because it's it's a huge if. I think that even in like a Dylan Cease trade or another trade, I think some of the prospects that could return could still be really young pieces. So I didn't want to pencil a guy in that might not be ready yet. Um, so I went the free agent route again and I went with somebody who's a free agent after 2025 Um, And that's Lane Thomas, Uh, Ah. definitely not a, not a super popular name, not somebody that necessarily stands out. I don't think, Uh, but you know, Thomas has played for the nationals in his career and is, is kind of sneaky, pretty good. I I think he doesn't being on a team that struggled a lot. I don't think he gets quite enough respect, honestly, from what he's done the last two seasons, this past season with the nationals, he was healthy pretty much the entire season. Uh, He strikes out a little bit too much, but almost 30 home runs, 20 stolen bases um, and just a guy who, I think it's just a solid piece, um, and I think if if it's not a prospect, there's a lot of prospects I could have put in here. I think you know, if the Orioles decide to pony up at the deadline, maybe the right field's a Heston Kirstad. or if you know the the if it ends up being a, a Rangers trade for Dylan Cease, you know, a Dustin Harris could make a lot of sense in right field. There, there's a lot of options out there, um, but ultimately, just as the safety of this of this exercise we're doing here, I went with Lane Thomas as a free agent signing after 2025.
1: Well, I like it. I like both the free agents that you, that you were proposing uh, Polanco yeah, yeah. and Thomas I like that. And I did the same thing. I said, they can't solve right field. They go free agent. And I looked at the candidates. I thought about Lane Thomas and I'll uh, see Lourdes Gurriel, Harold Ramirez, but I went with Austin Hayes from the yeah. Orioles.
0: I like that a lot too. I, I consider that. I definitely consider that. What is it, What is it about Hayes that made you go with him generally?
1: Well, A lot of this is going to have to do with affordability, right? The White Sox are not going to go for the expensive top-of-the-line free agent. The guy's going to be in his early 30s, probably going to get replaced by any number of White Sox prospects. Um, He's a good glove, left-handed bat, and I don't think he's going to be that expensive
0: yeah i think that's that's kind of the mind i was i was there with with lane thomas honestly was the similar route of somebody that's good and a solid player that can be an everyday right fielder but also not someone that's going to run up the bank and and cost a ton of money so i think either of those players on you know a three four-year deal potentially could make a lot of sense for the white Sox um if they're looking to just get somebody to stick in right field which i don't know if they ever will but hopefully they will um so our our outfields are both of us have fletcher and Luis robert in left and center and then we both went with a free agent you going with austin hazen right um and I went with Lane Thomas, so two just veteran, solid corner outfielders that uh, we stuck in right field to, to be the future of that position. Um, let's do DH. I think I'm, I'm curious to see. I have a I have a hunch we might have the same person here, but I could be wrong.
1: Yeah, I think you're right, and I think the guy's Wilford Varis. Is that uh, who you're thinking? That is that is my yeah. guy. You you take it away. Tell me tell me why Varus Well, you know he, he's a he's a great hitter, um, and. Uh, He's demonstrated so far he can hit at every level. And so there's every reason to think he'll be a major league hitter. Now, the feel-good story, you know, kind of like Jake Berger was this great feel-good story, would be Tim Elko. Yeah. Um, but, you know, the odds are a little bit against it. And then I said, well, who are some of the free agents? And I thought maybe Kyle Schwarber. But no, I think they go, they stay in-house and they go with Veras.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm at the same point as you. I think Varus is a uh, Varus does a lot of the things that Elko does, but is five years younger. Um, and I, I I like Tim Elko. I think there's a chance that Tim Elko just forces the hand and is the first baseman or DH come 2026. You know, if he keeps hitting like he did last season, there's nothing stopping him really. Um, but at the same time, I I think Varus being you know 21 years old and just doing everything that he did last year and looking phenomenal in Birmingham down the stretch I think he's still gonna he's not a major league option in 2024 but I think come 2025 he's gonna be at the point where it's like hey this guy might need to get some looks Uh, and I think he'll he'll play some corner outfield here and there he'll get a chance to be maybe even play some first base depending on the Vaughn situation Uh, but generally I think you know come 2026 if all these other things fall in place I like him to be the DH because like you said the bat is there the the bat he can hit man the guy can hit the ball really hard Um, he's gonna have to reduce the swing rate Talked about this last week when we talked. You can go back and listen to our episode all about you know upper minors hitters in the system. Um, he's got some approach issues. He's got to continue to cut down his chase rate and continue to down his swing rate. But at the same time, he he can mash. I think if he figures out some approach things in the next two years, I could definitely see him being the DH going into to twenty five.
1: Yeah, you know, as as you know, Double uh, A Birmingham. That's where we find out. Who are the real prospects? Everybody, you know, a lot of guys look good in low A and high A, but it's double A where you really prove that you're a prospect or not. And Varus has shown he can hit in double A, and we haven't seen Elko do that yet.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. I think I think Varys is, is a good pick there, and I'm glad we were aligned there. Um, so in terms of top-down lineups, I'll run through this real quick, and then I want to get into pitching because we're, we're talking a lot here, and I'm enjoying this. This is fun. I hope everybody yeah. listening is enjoying uh, dreaming about the future because I know me and Jeff are for sure. Um, so Jeff's lineup looks like Michael Turner, Brian Ramos, who is – I missed your second – I'm forgetting your second baseman. Uh,
1: Justin Foskew.
0: Right. Justin Foscue. Exactly. I love that. Jorge Mateo, Colson Montgomery, Dominic Fletcher, Luis Robert, Austin Hayes, and then Wilfred Varis. Uh, and then on my side of things, we're looking like Edgar Caro, Andrew Vaughn, Jorge Polanco, Colson Montgomery, Brian Ramos. Dominic Fletcher, Luis Robert, Lane Thomas, and Wilfred Varis. So a lot of similarities there, some different positions, um, but both are both the lineups are, are interesting. I think either yours or my lineup would be something that I would enjoy watching more than the current team, and then that's ultimately the goal, and a team that would be more competitive. So all right, let's flip it over to rotation. Um, give me, Give me your first two starters, and tell me why those are your first two starters.
1: Well, I'm going to go with the guy that uh, I think we're, we'll both have in our rotation, which is Nick Nastrini. I mean, he's it, he looks as much like a, a lock as anything in the system right now. Yeah. The other guy I went with, you asked for two, right? Yeah, let's start with The, other, the other guy I went with, and I'm not even, is it Eric Fetty? Is that how you pronounce it?
0: Yeah,
1: okay. Eric Fetty. He's actually going to be a free agent. I'm predicting that he's like the next Merrill Kelly, the guy who comes from Asia and um, a little bit older, but he proves that he's a reliable starter. And I think the White Sox lock him up next year on a three-year deal.
0: I like that. That's a good prediction. I, I really hope that's the case for Fetty. I've heard nothing but good reviews about the way he's adjusted his pitches um, when he was in Korea and he dominated there. So I think there's a world where Fetty clicks. And I think, you know, the Sox signing him in a two-year deal and saying, hey, we want you to be a key piece of our rotation for the next two years was a sign of, of some loyalty to him. And I think if he pitches well, there's a good chance they end up extending him. So I, I like that a lot. So Nastrini and Fetty to start it for you. My first one was Nastrini as well. Um, I think, you know, this is he'll, he'll be in the rotation in 2024, whether it's to start the year or whether it's mid-year. Um, and I think, you know, and going into his third season, I I really do think he's going to be a key piece of this rotation. I think he's going to have some growing pains. Um, I think the command is going to have, you know, shakiness, but like we saw with Dylan Cease when he was coming up, Dylan Cease was really struggling as in his first year with the White Sox, even into his second year at times. Um, and then you started to see that that stuff shine through and just his ability to just get guys out and dominate hitters. Um, I think Masurini is going to be a similar way. I think we'll see a lot from him in 2025, and then going into 26, he'll be a really key piece of the rotation. Um, and then my my number two in the rotation is is already a free agent actually. Um, and I went with, uh, with someone who is coming off of a shaky season, not a great 2023 dealt with some injuries. Wasn't as good as he had been in the past. Um, and I don't think he's quite the level of pitcher that he showed in his breakout season. Um, but I think you know, come free agency in 2025, um, I went with Nestor Cortez Jr. of the Yankees. So that was a, that was a little bit of a fun pick. I wanted to go with a free agent. I think that there's going to be a time in the next two years where the White Sox do spend substantive money on a starting pitcher, um, and I think that that guy could be Nestor Cortez. I think he's going to be demanding a contract of sizable contract, uh, but at that time he'll be he'll be 20 he'll be. 31 going into the 2026 season Um, and i think the white Sox will have enough money at that time to really go out and get a starter that they can put into a rotation with a bunch of young guys and feel solid about and feel like he's a veteran presence he's different he doesn't pitch nearly similarly to to all these other guys that i have in the rotation and i think he'll just be a fun veteran piece of the rotation to add to an otherwise pretty young group of guys
1: good very good I like that. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, yeah. I was kicking around. I looked at all the free agents who were going to be available in twenty six, and I thought, yeah, you know, maybe they'd go out and get Michael Waka, Tyler Molley somebody like that. But yeah. I did not include one in my rotation.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's interesting for sure. But uh, who? Okay, so let's go. Let's go two more. So I started. We both started with Nastri, the and then you went retaining Fetty, and I went bringing in Nestor Cortez to be that second guy. Who are your three and your four in the rotation?
1: All right. Well. The third one is a guy they I, I say they're going to pick up in a trade. And I say they're going to get Christopher Sanchez from Philadelphia. Um, is a left-handed starter. Looked really good last year. And the piece going back is either going to be one of their excess catchers, Calvin Harris or Ronnie Hernandez, because they're set at catcher for a few years, you know, with our predictions of uh, Turner and Cuero. So all of a sudden they've got a trade piece. And I think maybe what? that and... Like I, you know, they throw in Jordan Sprinkle or something. The Phillies are going to be okay. looking for a catcher to replace JT Milto by then.
0: What do you What do you like about him that that kind of fits that spot for you?
1: Well, he's a lefty, and um, he really came. You know, he had a under the radar, really solid 2023. So um, yeah, be a good SP four. Yeah, I, I
0: like that. I think that's a that's definitely an interesting. An interesting guy, and he's still pretty young. I think he's 27 going into this season. So I, I like that idea. And then what's your what's your next one, your your fourth guy?
1: All right. They, they're going to get something really good back when they trade Dylan Cease. And so I said if they go with the Dodgers, it's going to be Kyle Hurt. If they go with the Yankees, it'll be Will Warren. If they go with Atlanta, it'll be Hurston Waldrop. They're going
0: to yeah. get a, a good top arm back. Yeah, I like I like that. I I kind of I went an interesting way. So, the, which if you had to pick one of those guys, which one did you ultimately go with?
1: Uh, you know, I could I would put the Yankees third in terms of pulling off a trade. Um, yeah. You know, the Dodgers. I love getting these Dodger pitchers, um, but I could I could easily see Atlanta doing something like that.
0: Maybe an AJ Smith Shaver for sure could be an interesting yeah. idea. From Atlanta yeah. as well. I, yeah. I don't mind that. I think this was a, okay, so you went Sanchez and then you went a young trade True. pitcher from <laughs> one of those teams, which I, I like that a lot because one of my next two is also a, a trade candidate that I kind of factored in is the only person I factored in trading because I tried to minimize the, the trade aspect. But I do think that, like you said, the cease return is going to be somebody. Um, so the one I went sure. with in that regard, and I, I changed this earlier today, but the one I went with was Chase Hampton. Of the yankees I
1: oh you think they prime away between
0: warren and hampton i think hampton has a little bit more upside um has a little bit more to dream on um, and I think the Yankees are going to get desperate. I really do. I think they're in the situation right now where they've committed a ton of money. They need to win. And whether it's before the season in the next month or or at the deadline, they're going to get aggressive. Um, and I think that Hampton's a guy that the White Sox would love to get their hands on um, and someone that I could really see being a huge piece of the future um, if that clicks. So I went with Hampton, kind of similar route to you um, in a trade, you know, a big time trade piece coming from the Cease deal, because I think by 2026 Cease will be a free agent. And I, and I do think that eventually the White Sox move him in a trade. Um, so I first started with Hampton and then I went with Noah Schultz, top pitching prospect within the system. Um, I know that's a little bit bold based on his timeline, you know, the injuries and the lack of innings and all those such things. But I think he's the rare case of, of a debut at the beginning of the season for for a top pitching prospect. I don't think he debuts in 2024 or 2025. I think he's the type of guy who just figures who just gets enough innings in the next two years to the point where they say, you know what, he's too good to not be in the rotation. And he makes the 2026 opening day rotation.
1: Wow. Okay. Yeah. And I had him coming up later in 26. Yeah. maybe it's a No, which I totally, it's totally yeah. fair.
0: I think that's a, yeah. that's a very fair assessment. Um, this was just me being aggressive and bold and saying, you know, this guy is the most talented, talented pitcher in the system in terms of upside. And if he gets enough innings the next two years and he stays healthy, there's a world where he's, on the roster. So I, I, I don't them. know. I, I'm, it's, it's definitely risky, um, but I, I think there's a really good chance. Um, so who do you, so you're, you're right now at Nestrini, Fetty, Christopher Sanchez, and then a trade piece like a Kyle Hurt or a Will Warren or an AJ Smith Shaver and a Dylan deal. Who is then your five to round out this rotation?
1: I will say, I love your pick of uh, um, <clears throat> the guy from the Yankees. Um, Chase Hampton. Yeah, Yeah. They've been reluctant to trade him. Supposedly yeah. that's going the hang up in a trade with the Yankees. Him and, I love him and the fact too. Yeah. yeah, I love the fact you think they're gonna cave. That would be fantastic. Yeah. yeah.
0: That would be it would be exciting for sure.
1: So my fifth pick, I went with Davis Martin. But and if you saw the video too, that was exciting. He was he yeah. threw a,
0: Good to some, see yeah,
1: threw some uh, threw some pitches out in Arizona today and he's on his way back. Um, But the reality is, I went with Davis Martin, but that's really a placeholder for any number of these guys. Jonathan Cannon, Seth Keener, uh, Peyton Paulette, Mason Adams, Sean Burke. I mean, it could be anyone, but someone's going to emerge. It just seems impossible that one of those guys, at least one, if not two guys, step forward.
0: I completely agree with you. That's kind of where I ended up just going with... I put two of those guys in the five spot. Um, just all of the guys you mentioned, I, I went with Mason Adams slash Peyton Paulette. That was my, that was my five spot and my six starter. Cause you yeah. really need six starters is the reality. You know, when you have guys that have injuries, or you just have somebody missing a start, you need a six starter you can rely on. So I went with Mason Adams and Peyton Paulette as that five, six starters um, because I like both those guys. I think Adams has been kind of the breakthrough guy. We talked about him a few weeks ago. He, he really just impressed the heck out of me this past season. Um, and I think Paulette's a guy who, you know, this is going to be a second full season coming off a of T J i expect him to continue to get better and i think he's someone that could even potentially debut in 2025 given his age and if if things click for him he could be in the rotation or you go with the kind of the more high floor guy and, and more advanced guy in an adams who has is not as much of a prospect pedigree but is still someone that has performed so far and could continue to do that in the future so those are the two guys i kind of put in that five six spot um but overall i, I really like both of our rotations i gotta say i think it's it can be easy to get frustrated by the current reality of, of a rotation that's just totally in question beyond Dylan, uh, beyond beyond C. Fetty right now. The, the rest of the rotation is is very much up in the air, but there's a lot of pieces that that could emerge in terms of the rotation. Assuming an Estrini takes a step forward, assuming there's one or two free agents like both of us said, or a trade piece, um, and in addition to all these different guys you just said, there's a lot of guys that could emerge from within the system and, and become rotation pieces.
1: And I think it's interesting, Elijah, of uh, a couple of the names that we both excluded, uh, Michael Kopech, Jake Eater, and Garrett Crochet.
0: Interesting. Why, what was your reasoning, and then I'll get into mine, on any of those three guys not being part of the rotation?
1: Well, um, I actually put, you know, one of the things we talked about was uh, putting a couple of arms in the bullpen. And I had Eater going into the bullpen. As being one of the two, one of the two most effective relievers,
0: that's fascinating. Okay, so I I'll I want to get in the bullpen in a sec because you're leading into it right there. But I I don't think Kopech is on the White Sox in 2026. Uh, I don't think Crochet ever makes the full leap to being a starter. Um, I'm not sure if he's still with the team at that point. I think there's a good chance he's with the team just because he is still young and he's still in the early process of his arbitration. But I don't think either of those guys are starters long-term in all honesty. Um, And then with Eater, I think Eater's just a higher volatility guy. I think I could see him, I could, there's a world where he's the two starter in in the opening day rotation in 2026. There's also a world where he's, you know, bouncing between Charlotte or waivers or somewhere else. So I, I think I could see a lot of range of outcomes. I, I definitely thought about him, um, but I chose to ultimately go with a few guys that I think are a little bit safer and in, in Paulette and Mason Adams. But I do think there's a chance either his upside just shines through. So I, I'm curious. That's cool. It's interesting. You put him in your bullpen. I, I went with a different, I'm going to start by saying my first reliever and we'll bounce, we'll bounce back and forth. But I went with a different uh, starter that I think could open his career as a reliever. Um, not necessarily stay as a reliever, but start there. And that's Grant Taylor. Uh, Grant Taylor is a super exciting pitcher. Um, you know, Coming off of Tommy John, the White Sox drafted him in the second round. He looked like he was going to be a first-round pick um, when he was pitching at LSU before he got went down with the injury, and the White Sox were able to snag him in the second round. Um, Taylor is a guy who this will be his first – he's trying to get his arm built back up, so he's really not going to have a full season. This will be a limited season in 2024. I think 2025 will be the year where you're like, oh, let's see the jump he can make. And then 2026, I think trying to be cautious with him, and because of all the other depth that we're hoping will be in the major leagues in terms of starting pitchers, I think Taylor could open his career as as kind of that Swiss Army reliever, spot starter, long reliever type role, and then eventually work his way into the rotation if things go well.
1: Yeah. I like it. But again, you know, there's so many names that we've talked about with Cannon and Adams and Burke and yep. Paulette and all these guys. And a couple of them are going to be starters, and several of them are going to be yep. you know these two pitch guys in the bullpen who are really effective. I can totally absolutely do that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So I, I started with uh, with Taylor, and you started with Jake Eater in your bullpen. Who was your your? I ended up doing three, but who was your second reliever?
1: Well, I'm glad you did three because uh, I, I didn't want to take the easy way and go with Jordan Leisure. So I went with a little bit more of a long shot, but Eric Adler. I like that a
0: lot. I like that a lot.
1: He's looked really good so far. He's, you know, again, he's in he hasn't come up to Birmingham yet, where we'll find out really uh just what he can do. But uh, so far he's looked really good.
0: Yeah, I, I think that's a really good pick. Um Abler's someone who was sneaky uh, really good last year. I think he, I don't think it, it's, I mean, relievers generally don't get talked about all that much in terms of the minor leagues, especially at the lower levels, uh, because he kind of came in as like, this guy is going to be a reliever. Uh, most guys you draft and then you kind of, you hope they're a starter. And sometimes they turn into relievers. Adler was always going to be a reliever. Um, but I think that doesn't mean he's not super valuable and really impressive. You know, a, a two, eight, a two, eight, seven ERA last season um, between Winston or between Canapolis and Winston. Um, and just someone that has had looked great in his first season. He's advanced. I think there's a chance he's up in 2025, honestly. So I like the Adler pick. Um, like you said, uh, it is it is cookie cutter. And I think the difference between mine and yours is yours is a little bit more creative than mine for sure. Uh, but I went with Jordan Leisure. I think Jordan Leisure – I don't even. I don't just think he's the reliever. I think he's the closer. Uh, I think I think Leisure has closer stuff. I think he has the composure of a closer. I love talking with him. If anybody hasn't checked out that interview, that was one of my favorites I've done. Um, the dude is just – he, he gives me energy of a guy who should be closing games. Um, and that's something that I know is like so subjective. Um, but I, I think Leisure has a decent year in his first year this year. And I think 2025, he really takes a step forward and shows that he is the future closer for this team um, and then opens the season in 2026 as such. Uh, the last guy I went with, I want to mention real quick, because I ended up doing three relievers, I couldn't help myself, uh, was Frazier Ellard.
1: Uh, Frazier Ellard's uh, yeah. another
0: fun guy yeah. who is older, has dealt with some command issues over time, um, but really, really showed out towards the end of last year uh, and then looked good in the in the Arizona Fall League. It was really impressive. Him and Jordan Leisure had some some awesome games where both, they both pitched an inning and they both dominated back-to-back innings um, for the Desert Dogs in Arizona. Um, and I think Ellard's a guy who could really emerge among this group of a million relievers um, and whether it be later in 2024 or even in 2025, potentially take a step forward and show that he um, should be a key piece of the bullpen. But I also did have Eric Adler as my, my other serious consideration there. So, so I like that a lot.
1: Yeah. That's, that's a great pick as well.
0: Yeah. So cool. we'll, we'll run through it real quick uh, in terms of the pitching staff. Uh, well, we got our, we got our roster set. So in terms of the pitching staff um, you went with and correct me if I'm wrong here, cause I'm trying to remember off the top of my head here, but uh, you went with Nestrini. Fetty, Christopher Sanchez, a trade piece from a Dylan Cease trade. Uh, and then your last one. I used
1: Davis Martin,
0: but you really as yes, a placeholder yes, for yes, any yes, one of these young guys. Right, exactly. And then you had your bullpen being Jake Eater uh, and Eric Adler as two of the key bullpen pieces. And I know mm-hmm. you obviously, if we had more than two, you, you probably would have put Leisure and maybe even, you know, some of the That's other guys great. I mentioned as well. Um And then I went with, uh, Nick Nestrini, Nestor Cortez Jr. as a free agent signing, Noah Schultz, Chase Hampton as a return in the Dillon Cease trade, and then Mason Adams and/or Peyton Paulette as the last starter. And then in my bullpen, I went with Grant Taylor starting his career as a reliever instead of a starter, and then Jordan Leisure and Fraser Ellard, who we both expect to see in 2024. So that was our rosters. Um, I hope everybody liked hearing about that. Um, this was a this was a fun exercise, and it really just. I think this goes to show, you know, there's a lot of guys in this farm system in comparison to a year or two ago that we could really see being big league pieces.
1: Right, right. And there are so many guys that we didn't even mention who uh, could come out of nowhere and uh, make the roster in 2026. 100%. Oh,
0: you know what I just realized, we didn't even get to the bench spots. I didn't even think about that. I, I skipped over the bench spots, but uh, we'll, we'll keep it brief. Cause I know we we've been talking about this roster for a while, but uh, off my bench for the, for the team, I went with Jose Rodriguez as the infield bench player and Jacob Burke as the outfield bench player. So two yes. more guys that I think are, are fun prospects, exciting. Uh, I think Rodriguez, I talked about this a few weeks ago. I think Jose Rodriguez, I'm not sure he's an everyday player, but I think he could be a really, really good backup infielder, just given his speed and his defense and the power he can provide. Um, And I think Jacob Burke is someone that I wouldn't be shocked to see Jacob Burke in either left or right field uh, for this team as well, if he really continues to develop the way he did last year. Um, But I also think he has the makings of a great fourth outfielder, given his defense, which is spectacular, um, and just overall solid contributions. Uh, Did you have, did you mark down any bench players?
1: I didn't have any bench players, but I like the two you went with. And in fact, I came so close to picking Rodriguez as my starting second baseman. But the reality is, if they trade Eloy, they're going to get a pretty nice piece back. And if if and when they trade Cease, they're going to get a nice piece back. So I said, one of them's got to be a second baseman.
0: Yeah, I completely I like that logic a lot. Um, and I think there's a there's a lot to, to be excited about. I think we we just for everybody listening, I hope you enjoyed hearing about this roster because, you know, the, everything we're doing right now is, is really aimed towards a 2026 competition being uh, being a team on paper that, you know, these two rosters that me and Jeff put together would be be pretty exciting rosters. I'd like to think that these would be, these would be rosters that would make the White Sox a pretty competitive team um, that year. So uh, thank you for listening as always. This was the future Sox roundup with Jeff Cohen and Elijah Evans, and we will be back to talk more White Sox minor league uh, content next week. And we'll have some spring training to talk about, which is super exciting. So thank you all. Um, Thank you, Jeff. And it's been, we'll talk to you next week.